0: You may not know his face. Hey, look at this, look at this, look at this. Oh, ho, ho. But if you recognize his voice. Oh, yes! You're among the devoted followers who watch him chase breaking news on CBS2 and KCAL 9 News. Stolen vehicle uh, officers, weapons out. In the air and now on a mic. That's kind of nuts. Here's Stu Mundell. <laughs> All right, there's that cold open again. You know, I keep hearing that helicopter today. We should have, you know, that dragster noise that loud thundering rock and roll type of noise to start the show off we're sitting here with fast jack beckham now this is this podcast is probably going to be the most serious podcast that we have done so far i know it was the most serious to get this to happen uh i'm barely literate so i don't have people but jack has people and uh and there were emails being sent and scheduling being made and and you know and and so and so He's here, Fast Jack, and uh, we're going to sit down. We're going to
1: talk about drag racing, NHR. But first, first mistake this year. What? Beckham kicks a soccer ball or catches a football. Oh, Beckman. Beckman. You you cannot believe. I cannot (laughs) check into a hotel or go to the doctor's (laughs) office anymore. When they ask me, are you related to the soccer player? No, No, unfortunately. No. no, Don't look like him. No soccer. Don't make the money like him.
0: If you don't know who Fast Jack is. Uh, I got a little bit of a bio, but one of the things that really jumped out at me when I was reading it was how you're not just the guy for for racing, but you're also a huge fan as well still.
1: I went to my first drag race in Orange County International Raceway. I think I was seven years old. That would have been summer of 73 and was hooked instantly. And I want to tell... uh, For full clarification, I love all motorsports. I take my kids to the monster truck events. I love NASCAR. I love Supercross. But drag racing just struck me deeply immediately on so many levels in every sense.
0: You know, I can tell you that for me personally, it was 16-ish, Pomona, and I showed up out there, and I can t- to this day. I, I mean, I'll I'll get misty eyed. I mean, I was in tears with joy. We had uh, we had tree seats like right up at the tree, and uh, the first time I had seen uh, been there, I.
1: It's not just the sound; it's the feeling. You can feel it. You can't describe it. So our TV show does a great job of putting NHRA drag racing on TV, but it's not the same thing. It's hey. being live. Listen. Listen to Stairway to Heaven on an AM stereo with one speaker. Then go sit 10th row center <laughs> and listen to that band do it live. It's the same song, but it is not the same it's experience. The same. Drag racing is an in-your-face, visceral, most extreme. It is the rock concert of motorsports. It pounds it your is. chest. It shakes the grandstands. Heck yeah. Uh, and, and there's nothing like it. And listen, I'm not saying this to promote the sport. I'm saying this because, like you said, Love I'm still a huge fan of the sport. I I can't I can't tell you
0: it's like I said, when when you're there and you're on like the the cars go, it is just like I said, I I get teary eyed. It's just overcome with joy and emotion watching these cars go. And and this is the thing, like you said, it's motorsports. But uh, the drag racing, there is something really cool about that. Just that
1: go whatever NHRA is doing the last few years. They're doing it right. We're getting a lot of first time people come out and I'm seeing the crowds going back up at all the races. You know, we had great crowds in the mid nineties, the recession hit, you could see it suffer a little bit. We are definitely on the uptick for packing the stands. I just got back from Epping and I think it was the eighth sold out of uh, event day of the year for NHRA, but. I love the first-timers because, yeah, they saw it on TV. They kind of had some expectations, and it completely blew them away. So everything that you talk about that these cars do on the racetrack, keep in mind that after you watch that, you walk back into the pits, and you are literally 10 feet away from a crew diving in and completely tearing that engine down to a bare block and rebuilding it and refiring it in the pits in 35 minutes. Where's this guy working on my truck? Yeah, it's mind-blowing, though, to watch this. And then they go back out on the racetrack, and we get to do it again again so
0: okay so let, let's 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 kind of do the do the step by step for for the for for novice so you got drag racing right and obviously everybody kind of knows it's like whose car goes faster and you got a winner and you got a loser it's one-on-one it's it's pretty simple but how does it work i mean what like how do how does this guy get against that guy and how do how does the how does the pyramid work how does the, okay the, the, the,
1: so so let's say 18 funny cars show up 18 for a funny race. cars on Friday, we'll get two qualifying sessions. On Saturday, we'll get two qualifying sessions. I always liken it to NHRA handed you four darts, throw them at the dartboard. Whichever one gets closest to the bullseye, your best qualifying run seed right. you onto the field. Okay. The quickest 16 cars get to compete on Sunday. And then it is final eliminations. Right, Number one races number 16 all the way down the ladder till number eight races number nine. When you race, you either win and then you go back, tear your car apart, rebuild it, fire it up, warm it up, tow it back up to the starting line and do it again, or you lose and you load your car up and go home if you win second round you do it again come back for the semis if you do that you come back for the finals so all you gotta do is is beat four people on Sunday God does that sound easy we have one of the best teams out there our Infinite Hero Dodge is sitting third in points right now and we've lost 12 times this year what? we've only won one race no and that's actually not a bad year in Nitro Funny Car so far
0: so now these 16 people these 16 folk that are racing you know you got you got the winner let's say let's just like you said randomly let's do pomona so you got the winner at pomona is he going is he taking his truck and he's or it out so to the next so one
1: of the 24 race series which starts and ends here in pomona california we okay. start at the winter nationals in february we end at the finals in mid-november and then we travel all across okay the country. so it's a circuit literally it's everywhere a circuit. it's 21 different race tracks right 24 different is races the same folk what will happen is you've got i think in funny car there's 14 full-time funny car teams that will attend all 24 races Then you have another 18 teams throughout the country that might attend anywhere from two to eight races. Okay. So, so, so they're not, it's not,
0: it's not like the same folk everywhere. It's going to be locals. Like the, whoever's kind of local area. You
1: will have that core group of people, the, the, the well-funded professional touring team. And we'll talk about that, that part. <laughs> right. That will do the entire tour, but then you'll also have the independents, the, the guys that, that, that their buddies are their crew guys. Right. Nobody gets paid on the team and they'll come out and run one or two local races.
0: So, you know, you were talking about tearing down the motors. You're, you're, you're obviously Dodge, right? Correct. So I got to wonder, so is that, is that a Mopar? Yeah. Every
1: nitro engine today is based on the 1964 Chrysler street Hemi. That was a 426 cubic inch version. In other words, the bore spacing, the crank journal, the rod journal size. And there've been some modifications over the years, but, but essentially that platform, uh, the architecture is what it started on. Everything now is either billet or forged aluminum or steel. Our crankshafts cost $4,800. In other words, everything has seen 50 years of evolution, but it's still loosely based on that platform.
0: The motor that's in in all the cars, so they're all pretty much the same. So if, even if it's got a Ford badge on it, it's still going to have some some type of Mopar engine in it
1: loosely based. Loosely based. Uh, based. Uh, so so it's, it's, Years ago, John, it's Force, John Force Racing uh, was sponsored by Ford. So they retooled some cylinder heads and moved the bolt patterns around so that they could more legitimately call that uh, a Ford. Ford deal. But basically, the architecture of the engine block is, is Chrysler Hemi. Now, our engines carry no coolant in them. They only run for two minutes and ten seconds. We literally run so much volume of fuel through it that it keeps that cool enough. It, I was
0: just going to ask you how much how much how much fuel are we talking in two minutes? What is your fuel? Tank Fourteen
1: on gallons of nitromethane <laughs> in two minutes. At twenty seven bucks a gallon, and man, we're bitching at three dollars and sixty cents for regular. Wow, I gotta wonder: Have you ever seen somebody run out of gas at uh, at the races? Well, you could tell if one of our cars—not necessarily if it even runs out of fuel—if it gulps air in and goes lean, it will ignite the mixture in the intake manifold instead of in the combustion chamber, and it'll lift the supercharger off. You do not want to run out of fuel.
0: You do not want to run out of fuel. That—that's that, a—that's a problem. So so, th- so, now this is kind of interesting, too. So now it's not really the old school, you know, the the, the street grudge, you know, the Ford against the Chevy or the Chevy against the Mopar. It, it is
1: really team against team. Well, yeah, there's still some rivalry there right now. You've got you've got some Mustang bodies, some Camaro bodies, some Dodge Charger bodies. Uh, uh, and I said Toyota, also the Camry. So really, there's four main manufacturers that are representing out there. So the fans can still cheer for their brand loyalty. For brand, loyalty, Yeah. Right. Uh, and some of them will cheer for the underdog and some of them will cheer for their driver. You know, John Force is still out here racing. Uh, is he 69 or 70 years he's, old? He's up there. He's 148 time race winner. There's nobody even remotely close. Second place you're is my tw- teammate. 29? 29? I've won 29 29? national. events, yeah, 27 you're in her, Funny Code. You, yeah. got, you got if, time. If I raced till I was 120, I'd have a tough time catching ah, John Force. Yeah, yeah. But it's very interesting in that John Forrest, as long as you still take care of your eyes, drag racing is is one of the very few sports that you can see people remain competitive uh, well into the age that they're collecting a Social Security check. There's a gentleman that drives a top fuel car on a part-time basis out of Chicago, Chris Karamasinas, the Greek, who served in the United States Army during the Nuremberg Trials in 1947. He's 86 years old, and he's going 300 miles an hour. Heck yeah. Greek is a freak of nature. Chris is just an amazing human being. I wouldn't recommend to the average 86-year-old to strap into an 11,000-horsepower car, but drag racing is unique like that. So John Force is really kind of my Babe Ruth. Right. And I get to play ball against him. It's it's a a bit of a pinch-me moment. I was in the Air Force. On my 21st birthday, he won his first national event. That was 31 years ago, and I get to race against him now.
0: That's amazing. So, uh, Driver, right, and then you got mechanics and you got crew. So, is the driver? Does he get? Does he get out there? Does he get in there? Is he getting dirty? Is he it like depends. pulling stuff on, apart? Or on some of the independent teams? Or is teams, the
1: mechanic like, hey, 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 you, you just just stay over there? Well, so the irony is, is, is the reason I got into drag racing is I love the hands-on aspect. I my very first car was a '68 SS 396 El Camino. I still have the car today. So
0: 396. That's 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 technically it's it's a big block, right? Correct.
1: That's, that's a big block, but that's you. But that's less than like a four
0: hundred. So you got a four hundred small block. Why would you go through with a three ninety-six big block?
1: Because it came with that. I'm just you, messing, you. With, you. Do, I'm you messing notice, with you. Hey, if you and I hit the lotto, <laughs> we might have something different. It was my first car. Yeah. But anyway, I got into drag racing because I love the hands-on mechanical aspect. I ran my own car for 20 some odd years in the sportsman ranks. And now whenever I pick up a wrench, the crew will confiscate it immediately from me <laughs> and tell me it's not allowed to touch the car. Now some of the independent teams, the driver will do the clutch or right. the bottom end, right. simply because there's no high mechanics on that car they don't have a budget to do something like that but with the professional teams we have to make sure that we can make every qualifying pass every round service that thing as quickly as possible so my team is three crew chiefs seven mechanics and myself there are 11 of us and everybody has very specific roles that they need to accomplish
0: i've I've watched the tear down every now uh, a couple times on television i'm not sure what show it was but it was something with the nhra and and it was it it was you know it's amazing to watch how quickly they tear this thing down and rebuild it, and then it's out there running. And, and of course, what is it? What what kind of horsepower is it putting out? Eleven
1: thousand horsepower. And Fox Sports One carries all our shows now. And it, typically, they'll run two or three shows per race weekend. And I love the fact that. Yes, the stuff on the racetrack is phenomenal. It defies physics, but they do a real good job of bringing the fans into the pits to and, see and what that, the crews doing. And that's
0: part of it too. That that's the huge part of it. I mean, the racing part it's like that's the icing on the cake. That I totally agree with you. It, it, but but the whole putting it together, the anticipation, the building, and then of course just the, the knowledge and the crafts and in the craftsmanship, and then the 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 precision, you know, it's all about detail.
1: These are
0: huge engines, but if you're, you're talking millimeters, it it might be less than that.
1: Well, so you take your street car in for a cylinder head job. Okay. You blew a head gasket. They redo all the valves, uh, put a new head gasket on, put new head bolts on. If the mechanic misses the torque by a little bit or takes an extra day to get it done, it'll still go 80,000 miles. If we miss the, the cylinder head torque on the connecting rods, the main caps, The cylinder heads, you'll know it won't make it. A fan might get some parts. You you will not make it a thousand feet, and it will hurt itself badly. If we are not fast, we miss the next run. So our guys have to be perfect, and our guys have to be fast. And by the way, I use the term "guys." There are many female mechanics out there, and drivers, drivers. and drivers, drivers. absolutely. And it's funny because you listen to all these other motorsports patting their back about how inclusive they are of females. Buddy, we've had competitive females since the beginning of NHRA back in the 50s. I am good friends with a woman named Barbara Hamilton who got the first supercharged license for a female back in 1964. Yeah, we, we've we been yeah. way ahead of the curve for a long time in drag race. Well,
0: I, I know my youngest daughter is huge into the whole motorsports motor world. She goes to all the car shows. She goes out. She, she's at the Winter Nationals. Anytime there's something in Pomona, she's out there.
1: And I get it more on a deeper level now. I have an 11-year-old son, and my daughter is going to be seven in two days. So now I really get why it's important to have these uh, these paradigms for Little kids, but not just for the little boys. The girls need to have somebody to look up to as well. Yeah.
0: So let's let's switch
1: gears a little bit. So back to
0: back to the building of the cars, working with the cars. You favorite tool manufacturer? Are you a
1: Mako or? Well, we're we're a Matco team. Matco. You think I would say anything other than Matco? M A T C O. Matco, Matco. 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 And and here's the thing: is is a lot of times when you want equipment. Or sponsorship. You, you get what you can get and then you talk well about them. Don Schumacher Racing does things a little bit different. Don will have our folks investigate who makes the best po- possible product for our needs and we'll go out and buy it. And then we'll try to establish a relationship with that company. There's three different times that that's happened with Matco Tools, with Sandvik that makes all the cutting equipment that we use in 21 different CNC machines to make our own parts there. Make your own parts. And with Lincoln Welders. So (laughs) the thing about it is, is we didn't put the cart in front of the horse. We get the best product. Then we develop a relationship with that company that evolves into a sponsorship.
0: So, okay. What's your favorite tool now?
1: I got to tell you uh, I just got done putting together my my 396 for my Al Camino and and I'm not talking outside of school here. I've kind of got a decent assortment. I've got Matco tools. Yeah. I got some Carlisle stuff cuz they 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 run on our Napa teammate car. I got a digital torque wrench that I just think will spoil you rotten. It beeps. Yeah. You don't have to wait for that click. You just pull till it beeps Beep. and you're done.
0: Nice. That is nice. My favorite is obviously a ratchet too, but you know I, I like the old school tools for the for the drum brakes. Remember, like how they had those like crazy hook things that you pull around. I I just dig all that kind of stuff. Or, specialty
1: tools specialty, are always cool.
0: They are the coolest. So <clears throat> so you got the cars, you got the you got you got the racing, you got the drivers, you got the fans. The fans are huge. So let's talk about money. You're talking about these motors being torn down. You t- you just mentioned you have your CNC machine. Do you have that? It actually. In the truck? You bring that with you? No, no, no. no.
1: Oh, now, we've got, with Don Schumacher Racing, it's seven different nitro teams right now. Uh, so we care that's 14 big rigs just for our nitro cars. So one of the rigs might have a mill in it, one might have a lathe in it. Uh, all of them carry welders in it. But our CNC machines, we make... I think we make 284 different parts now. Clutch levers, our pressure plates, our flywheels, our cylinder so, heads, our connecting rods.
0: Again, for, for for the people that are listening that just are like doing the this sounds cool, we're talking about physically making parts from, from nothing, right. but not from nothing, but from a block of steel. Right, now picture You're,
1: a pallet full of chunks of aluminum right. that are two feet long by 10 inches tall by eight inches high, and we whittle on those and turn them into cylinder heads. And now, when you say stunning. whittle, you
0: don't have a guy sitting there like on a on a rocking chair with a piece of you
1: index this in the tool, feeds it into the machine, five axis cutting deal, and it's just stunning to watch that process.
0: And this is what I this is this is what I'm trying to impress upon a lot of the folks that are just starting to listen or may might just be doing the hey, you know what? Maybe we should look into this drag racing. It's not just about driving fast in a straight line. You're talking about people that are specialists that are super knowledgeable. Now we're talking about milling machines. These are machines that are basically Not basically, they are programmed to make parts from scratch. We we have our own
1: manufacturing facility. We literally do. We uh, build our own chassis in-house. We mount our own carbon fiber bodies. In other words, just the shell comes in. We will put all the titanium tubing and aluminum shielding inside the thing. That is amazing. It is absolutely fascinating. It's a 135,000-square-foot shop in Indiana, but you watch how much goes on. Don Schumacher Racing employs uh, roughly 120 people, and... Most of them go out on the road with the seven nitro teams. Many of them stay back in the shop and keep us supplied with parts.
0: So there's some questions right there. So you were talking, uh, we, we were talking before we started uh, the podcast. So how long is a car? How long does that car last? So you, you're you driving a, one of the, one of the many cars you're driving. it. how long is that car? Is it one season, well, more than a season? E-
1: each funny car team will typically carry three bodies to every single race because you never know what will happen. You don't have to ruin a body to make it unusable for the rest of the weekend. There's oftentimes we'll have a, Minor explosion, and that body needs to go Minor back to our explosion. shop Yeah, for carbon <laughs> fiber. Well, listen, routine maintenance, we literally have one crew member dedicated to body and tires. He is either mounting tires or repairing that body nonstop during the weekend because the aerodynamic forces at 330 miles an hour do some tremendous things to those bodies there. So you're carrying three bodies. You're probably going to hurt two of them beyond repair. Uh, throughout the course of the season so each team usually is fed five bodies throughout the year a chassis which is chromoly steel uh well let me back up a typical year for us including testing would be about 190 runs we will front half the chassis or replace all the tubing from roughly where my feet are to the front bumper after about 120 runs and we'll replace the entire chassis after maybe 350 runs so the rear half of the car would last two seasons. The front half of the car would last a little more than half a year, but each of the teams carries two cars just in case something happens to the racetrack and you need to unload your spare chassis.
0: So, so again, what, so what happens with the cars afterwards? You put them on eBay?
1: We have a lot of show cars out there. You know, our various sponsors like Mopar and Napa have a big need for these things for pre-event promo or for doing conventions. So oftentimes we're shorthanded. We're waiting to get more bodies and more so we can get fresh parts out to the race teams and take the used stuff and convert it to a show car. Now, once in a while, we'll help out an independent team if they've blown up something or they need a car. I know we built a chassis for Cruz Pedregon, who's a a competitor. Not only does he run a different make of body, he's sponsored by a competing tool company. But Don Schumacher kind of has an adage that he'll sell his parts to the other teams, which caused a, a, a little bit of an issue with all of our crew chiefs because we developed technology to be, to be better. Why would we sell that to somebody else? And Don says, if we can't beat them, I don't have the right people.
0: There you go. There you go. That's, uh, that, you know, right there, that, that is racing. That To me, that is racing. That's racing people. That, that, that's the human side of the whole racing.
1: But, but it's actually, if you look at what Don's done, like making our own connecting rods, we have created a little bit of a price war amongst all the connecting rod manufacturers, and it's a win-win scenario for the independent racers. They can buy rods cheaper today than they could have five years ago because we came into the market. Uh, we'll sell our cylinder heads. That that uh, There's probably three different manufacturers of state-of-the-art cylinder heads right now. Well, by providing that technology to the independent teams, they could theoretically run just as good as us. Where years past, they'd have to buy third or fourth generation used equipment and could never compete with the top teams.
0: So let's talk, you're talking about independence real quick. So how does, so you've got, uh, you got your neighbor, he's got a nice, you've got a fast car and he wants to race it. Is is there really, is there a, a class for, you know, the, 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 the guy that's just got
1: the hot rod? Maybe one of the reasons, I mean, I was hooked on NHRA the first time I went to a drag race because of the nitro and the pit access, But I think what what sunk the hook further for me is learning that literally anybody could go compete at a drag race this weekend. You could take your daily driver there, you pass a basic safety check for tech inspection, and you can take it down the drag strip. So bracket racing, think of brackets like parentheses, uh, is a grouping of cars that run, let's say bracket three would be cars that run 15 seconds to 20 seconds in the quarter mile. So you would compete against cars that run similarly – based on a handicapped start so it makes it very fair so it really puts the emphasis on predicting the performance of your car and driving the car consistently now that's the entry level by the way i still bracket race once a year i absolutely love it i'm still very much a sportsman type of mentality and then you go up to the pro categories which is virtually unlimited you run heads up there's no handicap start first one of the finish line wins as long as you pass a tech inspection to make sure that you did everything legally afterwards
0: so what's your uh what's your advice to the fans right now anybody that might be listening that's kind of on the edge thinking dude well, you know uh,
1: well if you've never been if you've already been to a drag race i don't you have, know yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm <laughs> preaching to the choir uh You're but done. drag racing in my opinion is the most Personal, in-your-face, up-close experience you would ever have, and I think that fans truly don't understand how much you can immerse yourself in the sport. You can watch the cars run in the stands. You can see 12 different categories from pro-stock motorcycles uh, to wheel-standing super stockers all the way up to the nitro cars. And then walk. there's so many different
0: categories. Yeah, there's something that's, for that's, everybody. Yeah, there's, there's something for everybody. And, and, and
1: then you can walk through the pits, get autographs, buy souvenirs, but literally be five feet away from the race cars and watch them get torn down and reassembled, or walk through the sportsman pits. Those cars don't have to re- be rebuilt every run so they'll typically come back to the pits and it's a much more laid-back atmosphere and interact with them and ask questions about their cars there's a manufacturer's midway where a lot of the parts manufacturers will sell products out there and you can get tech questions answered i I mean it's but it's literally something for everybody it's i don't want to say it's a circus mentality because it's a very professional very professional uh, type of 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 layout there but I guess I would say you don't have to be a car person to truly enjoy what the sport's all about. And if you're a car por- person, you get it.
0: Yeah, well, you get it right off the bat. So I appreciate all the time. I, I'm uh, i I'm 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 just I'm telling you, I was a little bit enamored when I met you. Then we started talking, and now I'm just like that's totally because I offered away. to
1: buy you lunch. Man. Yeah, well, so, <laughs> so, so you were gonna. We were talking briefly about what we do with our Infinite Hero car. With yes, our program. Let's talk about that. Yeah, our, our car's not really sponsored. A a, a private Family donated the funds so that we could put Infinite Hero on our car and use it as a platform to raise awareness and funding to help out the injured vets. So every run, and I'm a military veteran, I spent four years in the Air Force. Every run I take 20 Souvenir coins, military style challenge coin With the Infinite Hero logo in our race car And any fan that donates $100 bucks, i will give them a souvenir right off the car
0: So they gotta come find you
1: Well, they can actually do it online if they want They can want do it to. online? Yeah, they can go on InfiniteHero.org and sign up that way And request a specific race So you got a chance to get a 300 mile an hour souvenir But every penny of that $100 goes into our grant cycle, and all that goes to help the injured vets. To date, we have done over $350,000 in that COIN program, and we get a lot of companies like Matt Cool do an auction and donate the proceeds to us. We'll have individuals come up and throw us a check. We've raised over a half a million dollars to change the lives of the injured veterans so far. So, yeah, they can go on infinitehero.org, or they can come right up to the race and sign up at the back of our trailer.
0: That is amazing.
1: We get to change lives, man. That's a good feeling. You know, I always tell people you always want to do special stuff on the racetrack with our team, we have a chance to do special stuff when the car is not even running. So, uh, when, when is the when is the Winter Nationals? When's the next thing local? Second weekend in February, but we race in Vegas, we race in Phoenix, we race in Sonoma. There is plenty of opportunities to catch the races. But the, And
0: travel a little bit. Yep. The bookend, trip. The,
1: the bookend of the season for the Southern California fans is roughly second weekend in February, second weekend in November. We'll be at Pomona. Uh, at the it's LA nice County and cool. Oh, it's, i got to tell you, it doesn't matter what the temperature is. Once that first pair of cars fire up and do the burnout, it, it just just takes you to a different place. It
0: does. It totally does. Thank you so much. So, was another one in the books uh, today. We didn't have BJ Doll as our producer. We had Sam. Sam well played, is out here. Sam, Sam handling handling the uh, the tech stuff. Hashtag CBSLA. Go ahead and find it for all your social media needs. Of course, uh, you can also subscribe. That seems to be the big thing. I keep telling it. All my memos say, you know, tell the guys to subscribe. If you found the podcast, thank you for listening. We got plenty more. Uh, And if you're listening, that's freaking fantastic. But subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I, I, I think I did my part there. I'm Stu Mandel, and this was In the Air with Stu Mandel, not with, you know, so it should be wit. But anyways, I'm Stu Mandel, and uh, we were here with Fast Jack Beckman.
1: Stu, you are the man.